All right, welcome to Sunday School here this beautiful Sunday morning. And we are continuing in the book of James, book of James, <clears throat> near the end of the New Testament. Remember who James was? Jesus' half-brother. And he seems to have learned a lot from spending his lifetime, or part of his lifetime anyways, with Jesus in the house. And he picked up some wisdom, and there's unique pictures that he does, and unique bits of advice that he has, and he tells you as you go through. And we've looked at a bunch of different ones up to this point. We're going to go into chapter number three of the book of James, and we'll begin at verse number 12 today. But I have to first tell you about... Uh, there was a man who I once worked for, and somewhere along the line, as you guys grow and get jobs along the line, you will end up working for somebody. And sometimes you are fortunate to have fantastic bosses. Sometimes you do not. And I worked for a man for probably seven or eight years who was very unapproachable. Everything he did was completely, almost unpredictable. If you walked in and you said something, he might take that something and just brush it aside and say, I don't care about that. Or he might take that and make the biggest deal out of a little tiny thing, a huge deal out of it, and turn it into a whole new procedure that you have to follow and you have to create and you have to do this. And it would be months and months and months that you'd have all these terrible things you'd have to do just because you said one little thing to him. So you had to be very careful. He was unpredictable and unapproachable because you never knew what you were going to get. Sometimes he was super angry at everything you said or angry at what somebody else said. Many times, and I was a supervisor that worked for him. He was a manager over top of me, and I had a crew of guys uh, that worked for me. And I remember multiple times going on vacation for a week or so, coming back, and somebody is either terminated or has been... Uh, put out for five days on discipline or something like that. And when I left, it's like, there was no problems. Six days ago, there was no problems. And all of a sudden, this guy is now terminated. But you never knew what you were going to get from him. It was up and it was down. He was angry. He was unapproachable sometimes. And then the next time you walk in, and he's the happiest guy you ever met. So you just never knew what you were doing. He wanted to know everything about what my crew was up to. So it was a balance of telling him everything and trying to keep him informed, but trying to not tell him more, more than he needed to know because it would make it very difficult for me. The more that he knew, the more chance was he would pick something that was sometimes irrelevant and say, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, but that's how it works. No, you can't do that anymore. We can't do any of that anymore. We have to change all the way we do it, and we're going to do this now. Well, that's a whole lot harder. So it was a balance to try to do that. You will probably run across bosses somewhere along the line 
who tell you things that are that don't make sense, that are unpredictable, that they change their mind back and forth, sometimes every day, sometimes within the day. You never knew. Sometimes he would spend all night long, and he would. I'd go home from work, and he'd be in his office, and I'd come there at 6.30 in the morning, and he'd been there all night rearranging his office. And this wasn't once. This happened again and again and again. And it was like, what else? Oh, don't you feel the difference at all? I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> but yes, yes, it's great. <laughs> it's fabulous. Uh, so he, he was just unpredictable and very difficult to work with. Very difficult many times. And it was difficult for the guys who worked for me as a crew underneath his area because he just never, they never knew when I left, it was going to be like a roller coaster ride. And you never knew whether it was going to be great or it was going to be terrible. Just never knew. All right. That's very difficult. And I think James must have seen people like that or maybe worked for people like that somewhere along the line or had relationships with people like that because James is now going to talk about those people. We have just a few verses in the verse, uh, chapter number 13 where, I'm sorry, chapter number 3, verse number 13, where we left off last week. If you would pick up verse number 13, please. That would be great. Who is a wise man and is used with knowledge amongst you? Let him shew out let him shoe out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Alright. Putting a note aside here because I want to talk about that in a minute. If you are going to be wise, alright, if you're going to be wise, <clears throat> you must take your knowledge that you have and apply it. It is no good to be the smartest person on the face of the earth and not be able to apply what you know. You could be an amazing artist and in your mind see the most beautiful pictures, but you cannot paint them or you cannot sculpt it or you cannot somehow physically get it into that form that your mind sees. Right? You're not a good artist. <laughs> you can't do that, right? That's applying. And I could say, I'm the, I'm the best artist on this earth. I just can't get it into that form. That's all. <laughs> you should see what's in my head. It's amazing what's in my head. But a good artist is able to apply what they know, take actual, real, physical things, and do something with it, right? They take a paintbrush. And they know what to do with a paintbrush. You can give me the very same paintbrush. And I cannot put it in the same way that a good artist can do it. All right? I don't know what to do with the brush. I can learn a technique. But being able to take that amazing knowledge and put it into paper. All right? And you guys all worked on that uh, special topper for us. That special cool project, right? You have to be able to take physically those tools and have them come in an outcome to build something, right? You had to have it in your mind, what it was going to look like, and you had to make some sort of application. You couldn't just say, we planned this great cool thing for you. It's in our heads. Congratulations. And that's it. 
You don't give you anything, right? Because you didn't ever apply it. If you apply it and you make it work and you make it happen and you build it, create it and put it together, that's what is important about, that's what the difference between just having knowledge and having wisdom is, okay? You apply those things. Life is just that way. You're going to apply your wisdom. And here's the thing. Someone who knows something and does it is not a, oh, I'm always terrible at this word, hypocrite. Not a hypocrite, okay? Hypocrites are somebody that can tell you all the things you're doing wrong, and they do the same thing. They have no difference and no intention of being different, and nothing like that. They just want to come and tell you all things that they know they're wrong about you. Okay, that's a hypocrite. They don't apply. They don't apply their knowledge. You can be the smartest person on the face of the earth. Satan knows the words in the Bible. Okay, he doesn't apply them to his life. Okay, but he understands them probably better than most Christians understand them. But he doesn't apply it to his life. So just think of that as you are saying, well, I know the Bible or I can do this. No, it's about living it. It's about trying to work it out. It's about trying to take that knowledge and put it out into a form that's real in your life. Okay? And that's what this is about. The book of James is about making things real. It's not just head knowledge. It is creating a life that follows what you know to be true. All right, so that's what he says in verse number 13. If you're going to be a wise person, then make sure you show it in what you do, okay? Show it in your lifestyle. And it says in your conversation, okay, which is the very same thing. It means all of who you are, what you say, what you do, how you walk, your lifestyle. That's, that's who you are. Your conversation to what you do between all the people around you. All right? Verse number 14. So how are we going to do this? Right? Oh, we got it. We need to do this now. We need to apply it. We need to paint something beautiful with our paintbrush, with what's in our mind. Verse number 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Okay. Well, I said how are you going to do it, but really, first we're going to look at how you don't do it. Here's what you don't do do. Don't do this. And this is where James picked up from being around people that were like the guy I explained in the beginning. Very difficult to be around. Unapproachable in many ways. What does he do? Bitter bitterness. How many of you have ever taken a spoonful, not even a spoonful, a taste of baking cocoa? <laughs> and how does it taste? Good. <laughs> it is not 
Although it looks like chocolate milk and it looks like you should be able to mix it right into your milk and make it wonderful, it is not that same thing, right? It is a basis of creating chocolate, but the chocolate you know and love is because of the sugar all <laughs> put around it. Cocoa is a very bitter thing. You taste it and you don't say, wow, that's not so bad. You're like, ah, cool, I get it off my tongue. It dries it all up. It's terrible. You don't really want it there until you mix it with a bunch of sweet stuff, right? To kind of counteract what it is. And you can do dark chocolate. And that's the big rage, right? I got dark chocolate. Ooh, it's great. I do 60% dark. Well, 40% is sugar, okay? Still, it doesn't mean you, you might like the darker taste and a little bit more of the bitter taste. But if you just take straight baking cocoa, which is straight up, just ground up cocoa beans, essentially, it is bitter. It is not a good flavor. That is what some people leave as a taste in your mouth when they act around you. They leave a bitter taste. They come to you and say words to you and do things to you and, and create a situation for you, whether it be a boss or whether it be a fellow student or a teacher or even sometimes a parent, okay, can create bitter situations. Don't be bitter because you know what bitter tastes like when somebody else around you you want to be wise, number one is take the bitterness out, okay? No more bitterness. You don't want bitterness anymore in your life because bitter people are not nice to be around. They're angry about everything that's ever been done to them or even talked about being done to them or wasn't even done to them, was done to somebody else. I've had people that have worked for me, and we've come in and I've made changes at different places, and I've been in several different places where I've worked, and when I've been in a leadership role, I've done lots of changes, and they come to me complaining in the beginning. Well, we're not treated fairly. We want to do this, or we don't think we want to do this. So, I have a group of guys right now that do all different types of jobs. And they were said, we're not treating everybody fairly. So we don't hand out the work equally. This guy gets that kind of job, and that guy gets that kind of job, and we think you're just cherry-picking the jobs. So I said, it's fine. And they were really kind of bitter and angry about it for quite some time. So I have no problem with it. We'll write all the jobs down on a slip of paper, I will put them in as I think the order of it needs to be, and I will put them backwards so you can't see what they are. You just come to the box and pick them out in a row. Get what you get. When you're done with your last job, you come up to the box, you get what you get. If it is rewire an entire, what, uh, an entire room, or if it's go plunge a toilet, doesn't matter. Because I'm going to create a way that is fair for everybody. Well... We've been doing that for a couple of years now, and I just heard the other day how we don't ever get to choose what jobs we have, <laughs> and how come I don't come? I don't get to just do electrical jobs, or how come I don't get to do this type of job? Because 
you were bitter about it before, so we fixed it. And now you're set. You have just what you wanted. It's fair, so it's completely blind. But if you're choosing to be bitter about things, it won't matter your circumstances. Though your circumstances change, you will be bitter anyways, no matter what. All right. So that's one thing not to be, not to always be complaining and bitter about things. All right. Just angry about things. What else is on that list after bitterness? Envy. envy. What's envy? Okay, yep, is you being jealous, and what types of things can you be jealous about? Anything. Can it be stuff, like this person has a house, that person has a car, this person has, it could be that, right? What else? Give me more subtle things. Could be a character trait, okay, character trait. I've actually heard people complain about why another person's so happy all the time. It's <laughs> always so happy. Like, yeah, <laughs> good. I don't know. That's great, isn't it? And yet, people are envious or jealous of the fact that that they can't be as happy. I was like, but you can. You can choose to change. They can be envious of position. That's a big thing. All right, position that people have, and no matter what, envious of money, no matter what, if you're an envious person, you will never get enough. It will never be enough. It will never be satisfying to you because the opposite of envy is satisfaction. Right? You choose to be satisfied with what you have, or don't choose. If you choose to envy everything, then, you, then you'll say you'll envy all kinds of things. And if you choose to be satisfied, then you will be satisfied with everything you have, whether it's a lot or a little. You'll be choosing to be satisfied. All right, so, and what else is there? There's one more, and this is a tough one. In their nature. They live to argue. Now all of you sit here and you all get along quite nicely. It's fantastic because for a half an hour you hold it all together and you all smile and it's great. And then you go home. <laughs> and it's not true. At home, oftentimes, every personality, the worst of our personalities come out in our home lives because you're not your guards not up and you're doing all the things and saying all the things you just feel like and you've been there for a long time and you're sick and tired of this and you don't like that and you don't like this and every time you get a chance you're going to remember what your brother did to you six years ago or your sister did to you okay last march because she said this, 
and I'm waiting for the exact time when I can really get her. You can't just waste that kind of opportunity on any old thing. You have to get her just when you know it's going to hurt the most. I've been studying exactly what's going to get. Okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, because you're all human, and we all have that in us many times. By our nature, we live by strife, and that is argumentative or waiting to get somebody and just create constant frenzy in our lives. All right? So, that's something to be aware of. Because we're going to look and see what James says about that. He says, if you want to be wise, don't be bitter. Don't be jealous and envious. And do not cause strife. And why? Verse number 15. And 16, please. I'm sorry. Okay, so basically what he says is if you do these things, that would be bitter. If you are full of strife or envy, he says you are like the devil. Evil. That is where this comes from, he says. The willingness and the, always the love of argument... He says, come straight from being like the devil. Oh, well, I don't argue too much. Right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know too much like that. But that's where James is saying, look it. No doubt he struggled probably with these things. Have you ever had a sibling that was perfect and you're just not? Right? And yet perfect sibling can do no wrong. How about having a real sibling that's really perfect, like Jesus, right? And you grow up with him, and no matter what you do or say, he will not return your volley of vitriol that you are throwing out at him. Anger and all those types of things, and he will only return love to you. And you just get more and more angry. Because you can never get it. And yet he won't do it. And mom and dad think he's perfect. Well, he is, right? And so James grows up, and probably some of these things he felt himself. He's a human. He knows it. He feels it. He's the brother of Jesus, and he watches, and he says, and I argued and argued and argued. And it was really just me. I was the problem. I had the issue. I was bitter. I was jealous. I was envious of things, and it made my life worse. And he says, and now I see what God was really doing, and I missed the boat. Jesus was out there doing, saving the world, and I'm back I'm in my bitter little corner saying, eh, Jesus, he thinks he's so great. Hmm? And now he sees. And now James writes out things that no one else has lived through to the level of James. Okay, He sees it and he says, wow, that's really something. I really missed what I was supposed to be doing. Jesus came 
grew up and lived and died. And I still haven't even hardly just scratched the surface of my growth. All right? That's no doubt what James all of a sudden has a lot of revelation about who he really is and what's really important in life. Okay? So you watch somebody like that. Oftentimes, and I wanted to say something about this. As I struggled with, with my supervisor for many years, I stood on principles many times. I said, well, I'm not going to do this, and I'm going to treat people fairly. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. There were some times where those principles were nothing more than my pride. It wasn't like I could pick a Bible verse out and say, this is what he's doing wrong. Most of the time, it was, I need to be more kind to him. But instead, I'm showing everybody else how good I am with this guy. I'm showing everybody else how wonderful I am and how bad this guy is. And my pride got in the way and made me where I was devilish in my thought. And I paid for a few of those things, okay? Paid for a few of those things. And by God's grace, they weren't huge, huge things that I stumbled over. But I stumbled over some things uh, because I wanted it my way and I was going to show people. So you have to be aware of who you really are. If you're going to have wisdom, if you're going to live it, first of all, do not live in bitterness. Do not live with envy. Do not live with that strife. The love of argument, all right? Because it brings confusion and it says every evil work. You start with these things in your life and a lot of bad things follow. It ushers in a lot. This is, this, really? This is just plain old attitude. That's all that is. That's attitude. And we all have it, every one of us, including me. Attitude, and I don't mean good attitude, it's bad attitude, is what it is. And we all have it. Okay? So we want it because we want to show we're a little better than everybody else, or we're more correct than everybody else, or we're smarter than everybody else, or we didn't get, we got a raw deal, and everybody else got something better. Okay? And I'm going to show you, and I'm going to get back at you. And that only breeds contempt within a family, within a workplace, within anywhere that you are, within a group of friends. It breeds anger and more contempt and confusion and creates division. Okay, So what are we going to do? Verse number 17, what are we supposed to do? Verse 17, please. Okay, here's what we should do. Here's what we should do. First, wisdom of God is pure. Purity is not an act. It is fought for every day. If you are going to decide to be pure, it does not mean that you have never, never failed at something. It means you are going to fight to do what's right. And if you fall, you get back up and you keep going again. 
When you give up is when you lose. The battle for purity. Now, that means purity of all sorts. Mind, body, and spirit. And that is protecting yourself from pollution of your mind, from putting things in there, thoughts and, and anger and all these things, protecting yourself from those things, pollution of your body by doing things you shouldn't do, looking at, listening to, going to places, talking about things, okay? And then of your spirit, which is a deep missing part without God touching it and constantly cleansing us. We just don't really understand how much we are at war with our mind and our soul and our body. God has to constantly be with us to change us. We just don't understand it. We think we got it. We don't got it. The moment you think you got it, you don't got it. Okay? So purity is a fight. It is a battle. It's all about the journey all the way. Don't give up. So then what's next? Peaceably. Live peaceably. You promote peace. And peaceably means the opposite of strife. You diffuse arguments. You walk away from... Not in a huff and slamming the door, but walk away from the things that cause division. So I'm not going to be a part of that. I will choose to create peace in my home. You choose to do it. Okay? You choose to do it. You promote it. You have words. And you are becoming approachable at that point. Because people that are full of strife all the time, nobody wants to talk to you. No brother or sister wants to get around you. No relative wants to be next to you. No boss wants to be around you. No co-worker wants to be around you. No fellow student wants to be around you when you are constantly creating strife. Okay? That is what divides and what separates you when you're doing that. It's not because you're cool. It's because you're not cool. Okay? People don't want to be around you if you create that strife all the time. So you, you are peaceable and gentle. Gentleness is just what it says. The words you put out, the actions you do, even towards those who don't like you, even towards your enemies, your actions are gentle. Easily entreated. Um, not quite close. It is when you ask for something, I'm not going to make it a battle for you to get it. I can be asked for something, and I'm not going to make you run through a hoop and a whole course just to, for me to say yes or no. I'm going to say yes or no. I'm going to be approachable. Okay, easily entreated is essentially you're approachable in all things. 
I can go to you if I have an issue. I can go to you if I have a problem. If something really isn't working out, okay, I've had bosses where you can't tell them. And I've had other bosses where it's like, I'm going to go and tell that person, and that's okay. We're going to figure it out. They won't blow up. They won't explode about everything that you do. Everything's not a big deal. So you make those choices whether you're going to do that. You can be approachable. And then, full of mercy, right? Full of mercy. And when they come, those people come to you and say, I really messed up. It's okay. You overlook the things that people mess up with. So these are the marks of God, and they, they give you good fruits. Good fruits. Now we talk about that. We've talked about the good, the fruit of the Spirit. We've talked about living in such a way where God comes out of you. Here's the thing. I have an apple tree. I've got a bunch of apple trees. And other than doing a little trimming in the beginning of the year, I don't do a lot to these apple trees. But each year, the apple trees take all that I have put in the ground or what God has put in the ground, all right, and they make fruit. Some of them great big fruit. And I can go and I pick a pear or I pick an apple tree, a apple off of it or a peach or something and take that and I just take it. I don't give anything back to the tree. I just take the fruit. And I enjoy it. That is a lesson to learn about how you, how God expects us to be around people. It's like being the fruit tree. Fruit tree doesn't get anything from its own fruit. It gets its fruit taken from it. It creates joy and pleasure for the person who takes the fruit. Right? It gives. And that is what God has wants us to do because that is the nature of God as he gives and he gets taken from from us and so he says I want you to get fruit good fruits so all of these things if you go and you are pure and you create someday you lead some place or you you're part of a relationship where you're easily approached and you're gentle and you're full of mercy and all of those things it's like going and grabbing a fruit off a tree and saying wow that's just really good to eat that's really tastes great. You are approachable, and it's your fruits that people want to have from you. Okay, That's what wisdom really is, and you don't get anything from it. You just give. Yep, and that boss who's a big jerk to you, you still act peaceably and gently towards them, and you're giving him fruit her fruit. He doesn't deserve it. Nope. It's not about deserving it. It's about you being who you are supposed to be. It's about you having knowledge and wisdom and living that way. So you choose to do it. Verse number 18, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in the peace of them that make peace. So if you are going to be peaceful person, somebody who creates peace, a peacemaker, 
Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. It marks you as someone that belongs to God. That's how people know who you are. Because they walk up to you and say, I don't know why, but it's much better to deal with this guy than it is to deal with the other guy. I'd rather go talk to him. And if you've ever lived in a family or worked in a place where one of your parents treats or is, is harder to get along with another, or one of the people at you where you work, or one of your teachers is hard to get along with or versus another one, or friends, you're going to go to the one that's easier to get along with, that's easier to get what you need from them, much more often than you're going to go to the other one, because they have fruit, right? And God shining through us gives us wisdom, gives us the ability, okay? This is how we act, we give fruit. Be peaceable in your family. Create peace. And you will be known as a child of God. Thank you very much. Have a good day.